message I will be preaching this morning from the title, The Impact of the Invisible. The Impact of the Invisible. Uh, Today we are looking at our third value uh, as a church, the value of the kingdom of God, or in the language from Matthew's gospel, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, We've looked at our values of grace and truth and unity, and so today we're going to look at the value of the kingdom, those three values uh, anchor our church and the orientation of our desires together. Um, a, a few years ago, I started baking sourdough bread, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of dangerous for me to talk about this because Zach is here and he is also a sourdough bread baker and uh, has surpassed me in many ways uh, in my skills. So anyways, a few years ago, I, I, I kind of got into making sourdough bread. I got some pointers from Jarrett Yu in our church who had been at this for a few years uh, already. And, and finally, I took the plunge. Um, the, the idea of sourdough bread, of fresh, hot, good-smelling sourdough cooling on my kitchen counter had been tantalizing me for a few years. But I was always intimidated by the actual process. See, instead of using store-bought instant yeast, which is added to the dough to give it that nice rise, traditional sourdough bread relies on the microscopic yeast, which lives all around us everywhere. Baking a crispy loaf of sourdough first involves a week-long process of attracting this natural yeast to flour and water, feeding that yeast with more flour and water each day until after about four or five days, you've got a jar of bubbly, sour-smelling stuff sitting on your counter. So I have, an, I have my starter uh, and, and I know it's a little bit hard for, for you to see this morning, but if you could see it, you'd see lots of little bubbles where the, the yeast is doing its thing. If you smelled it, you would, whoo, uh, every time I'm working with this and the top's off and Maggie comes into the kitchen, Zach, she's like, uh, but she knows the end result is going to be, is going to be worth it. Um, So this starter has been alive for, I don't know, four or five years now. I feed it a little bit each week, and it's ready for me to bake uh, some bread whenever I I, I want to. So once you've got this active living starter, you're ready to make some bread. And you simply add some of this leaven, the technical name for the natural yeast, to some flour and water. And from there, it's not all that complicated to get a delicious-tasting loaf of bread. Now, I I want us to keep this in mind, this natural yeast, this idea of leaven in our heads when we come to Jesus's parable this morning about the kingdom of heaven and yeast. Because you see, the woman in this parable would not have had access to the fast acting yeast that you can buy at Mariano's or, or any other grocery store. It didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. She would have had to use a leaven, a leaven full of the natural yeast from the Middle Eastern air all around her. In fact, the word for yeast in our passage is actually more accurately translated as leaven. This is how she was making her bread. So why does Jesus decide to compare the kingdom of heaven to leaven, to yeast? 
in this gospel, Jesus says that the kingdom is like a field. It's like a mustard seed. It's like treasure buried. It's like a fine pearl. It's like a net full of fish. It doesn't appear that Jesus is at a loss for similes and metaphors. So, so why this one about yeast? Well, I think it's because Jesus wanted to compare the kingdom of heaven to yeast to help people see the impact of the kingdom of heaven. He compared the kingdom of heaven to yeast to help people understand the impact of the kingdom of heaven, to know what they were looking for. One of the wildest things to me about making sourdough bread is the faith that is required to believe that there is this natural occurring yeast in the air. You leave this open jar of water and flour on your counter, and after a few days, it's alive. It's bubbling, it's rising, it's smelling sour. Add some more of that, uh, add some more water and flour, and after a few hours, your, your dough is bubbling and rising. But the thing that makes all of this happen, the thing that makes the bread rise, is invisible. We can't see it. It's an act of faith to bake bread. The only way that you know that the yeast is actually there, that it's actually alive, is not to look for the yeast because you can't see the yeast. It's to look for its impact, to look for the bubble of gas, the sour smell, and eventually a dough that is rising. That's how you know that the yeast is there. I think that Jesus is saying that if you if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you need to look for the impact of the kingdom of heaven, for how God's reign is renewing the world. And it ends up that being able to identify the kingdom of God is very, very important. Why? Because when we can see the kingdom, we can join God in the kingdom work of renewal in this world. If bubbling, rising bread are invisible yeast, what are the signs of the kingdom's presence? Well, it's new creation. It's the impact of Christ's life, death, and resurrection rippling through our world, overturning sin, death, and the devil, and making all things new. So, so here's where we're going this morning. Here's what I hope you'll take with you this morning. We align ourselves with God's kingdom by looking for new creation. We align heaven for looking for the yeast of new creation all around us. Now, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about that area, that realm where God's will is unopposed where God's will of righteousness and justice, grace and mercy, salvation is unopposed. And, 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 and traditionally, in the cosmology of the scriptures, heaven is that place where God's will is unopposed, where what God wants to be done is done completely and fully. So Jesus teaches us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, because heaven is where God's will is perfectly done. Earth, on the other hand, is that place very often of human rebellion and sin where we oppose the will of God. So Jesus says, pray that God's perfectly expressed will would be known on earth as in heaven. And Jesus brings that kingdom to earth. Jesus brings it near. He, he opens up the possibility of living in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. 
Now, the, the, the parable says, Jesus says in the parable that this woman took and she mixed that leaven. Remember that jar I held up a, a second ago? She mixed that leaven into the dough so that it would rise. But, but the actual word is not mixed, but is hid. She hid the leaven in the dough. I'm, surely that's about mixing, right? But, but I think that word hid is, is helpful. Because when we think about the kingdom of heaven being hidden, we think about the fact that our God is not a visible God, that our God is not like us, that our uh, omnipresent God, the God who is everywhere in the universe right now, is not visible to our eye. And so when we think about looking for the kingdom of heaven, we probably need to think about looking for something that is hidden, that is maybe not apparently obvious to us. But this language of hidden also reminds us that our God very often works quietly. Yes, there are examples in Scripture and in your life of God doing something spectacular, something miraculous, something visible. But if we look back over the course of our lives and over the course of redemptive history, we would find that most of the time God is working quietly, patiently, in that still, small voice expressed in so many different areas in our lives and in our world. But then there's a third reason that I think it's important to pay attention to the fact that the leaven is hidden in the dough, that the kingdom of heaven is hidden in this world. And it's the fact that there, there are more than one, there's more than one kingdom in this world. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, but, but there are other kingdoms. The, the word for kingdom here is the Greek word basileia, and it's, it's just a, a kingdom, as you would have thought about it in that day, a, a nation state or, or a city, a place of authority. It's not, a, it's not a, a religious or a spiritual word. It's just the word to describe a kingdom. And And these kingdoms have their own authority. These kingdoms have their own agendas. These kingdoms desire power and control. But but importantly, what we find in the scripture is that these kingdoms also have behind them a a kind of malevolent spiritual power. That these kingdoms are not neutral. That because they have been constructed by sinful human people, there is a kind of malevolent spiritual power attached to them, which often opposes the will of God. So think about nations, think about cities, think about corporations, think about systems and structures that orient and arrange our lives and how often those systems, those kingdoms are not pointing towards God's good, pleasing and perfect will, but in some other direction. So Jesus, after he's baptized by his cousin, John, is led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness where he fasts and then he faces the devil. And in Matthew chapter four, verses eight through nine, we read this again. The devil took him to a very high place, a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms, the basileas of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship you. Now, did, did the devil have the authority to give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? You know, we could get into that. But, but what's clear here is that the devil is claiming a kind of authority and power over these kingdoms. That again, there is this malevolent power that attaches them, itself to the kingdoms of this earth. A power that opposes God's will. In other words, the kingdoms of this world. And that's really important for us to realize because too many of us go through this life getting surprised when the kingdoms of this world are not neutral. When we find that they are actually oriented away from God's will and God's desires. Now, now the good news is that Jesus came and made the kingdom available and open to everybody. 
Jesus' life showed what it looked like to live in harmony with the kingdom of God. His preaching alerted the world to the presence of the kingdom of God. His life, death, and resurrection opened the kingdom of God to everybody. And through the presence of his Holy Spirit, you and I are able to align ourselves with the kingdom of God. More on that later. But his kingdom has also not fully come. Yes, he's made it open and available to us, but our God is a patient God. And our God is even now inviting others into this kingdom, others into God's family. There will come a day when Jesus returns and his kingdom is visible for all time. But we live in between the times where the kingdom has come and yet we await its coming in its fullness and totality. So we live then in a world that is often dominated by these worldly kingdoms made by sinful people. Governments, corporations, education systems, and so on. I I remember uh, when Google became known. I remember when Google got big enough that that I actually knew what Google was when we started using Google as a a verb. And and, and at that point, Google had this uh, unofficial slogan. Does anybody remember it? Don't be evil. And, and, and that was like a big deal. Like that, everybody kind of noticed that, that, that this, this corporation had the slogan, don't be evil. And, and, and it kind of nodded to the fact that you kind of expect corporations to not do the right thing a lot of the times, right? To not, to not serve our interests, but their own interests. Now, I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether that slogan is still in place at that particular corporation. Uh, but but it, it, it was a, this little kind of reminder of the way that these systems and structures that the kingdoms of our world bend away from God's intentions and God's will. That we can't avoid that in this life. We, we, we are, in a sense, navigating constantly the kingdoms of this world. And so we shouldn't be surprised when they oppose the kingdom of heaven. It can be difficult to see the kingdom of heaven when our attention has been captured by the kingdoms of this world, by the kingdoms of this earth. So, so again, we align ourselves with God's kingdom by looking for new creation, the signs of God's kingdom. And yet the rebellious kingdoms of this world can make it hard for us to see those new creation signs. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that has been hidden in the dough. We need to go a little bit deeper, though, because our, we're not simply up against the, the kind of massive, big, large-scale kingdoms of this world. We're, we're, in a sense, up against our own hearts as well, the kingdoms of our own hearts. I'm going to put a, a quote up on the screen here from Dallas Willard from his book, The Divine Conspiracy, in which he talks about the kingdoms that each of us have. He says, our kingdom, our personal individual kingdoms, he says, is simply the range of our effective will. The range of our effective will. Whatever we genuinely have the say over is our kingdom. And our having say over something is precisely what places it within our kingdom. In creating human beings, God made them to rule, to reign, to have dominion in a limited sphere. Only so can they be persons. To, to have your own kingdom. This is, this is what it means to be human, to have stewardship, to be able to care over this limited realm that God has given you, to join God in the caring of all 
things. And yet our own wills, our own motivations, like those larger worldly kingdoms, are often bent away from God's will, not aligned with God's purposes. Thanks be to God that in Jesus Christ, we are transformed from death into life. And through the spirit, we are given the capacity to align our wills with God's will. Our eyes have been opened to new creation because we ourselves are new creations in Christ Jesus. So that despite the opposition from other kingdoms in this world, despite the the, the frailty and the distractedness of our own personal kingdoms, we can see the signs of the kingdom of heaven around us. We can align ourselves, our lives with the kingdom of heaven. Now, now I want to get really practical for a few minutes right now. I want to talk about discerning our own personal kingdoms. And in just a minute, Amy's going to put up a slide. But, but, but I want to remind us that, that to be created in the image of God means to be created for right relationships. Kind of fundamentally, to be human is to be created for right relationships. And, and in Scripture, we find kind of four realms of these relationships. You are made for a relationship with God. You are made with a, a, a holy and, and, and sanctified uh, relationship with yourself. You are made for good relationships with others, and you're made for a good relationship with God's creation itself. So, this is important, because I think when we, we think about our own personal kingdoms and aligning them with God's will, it's like, that sounds good, that sound, I like that, but what does that actually look like? How do I actually do that? So, so again, I want us to think about this for just a couple of minutes here. So, Amy, you want to go and put up the slide. So, let's think about these relationships here for just a second, these four different relationships, God, myself, others, and the creation. So, so discerning what your personal kingdom is look, means uh, thinking about those four different relationships. So, so when it comes to your relationship with God, you could ask yourself, what gifts has God given me? In, in other words, think about what is it that, that, that you have to offer the world that doesn't come naturally to you? Right. The, where it's just clear that 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 for whatever reason, God has has been gracious and generous in, in a certain area that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you have something to offer the world that doesn't come from yourself. And, and I imagine that different ones of us could think of. I, I got like two or three of those that come to mind for me personally. Preaching, frankly, is one of those. <laughs> yeah, this was not the plan for my life. This is not what I woke up wanting to do. And yet I feel this compulsion and, and some sense of God's. God's God, God, generosity and pleasure, other things like that for me and for you as well, where you realize here is something I have to offer the world because of God's generosity to me. That's part of your kingdom that you can align with God's kingdom. Um, think about your kind of relationship with yourself, with your orientation towards yourself, to the way that you accept yourself or you don't accept yourself, for the way that you see uh, God, God's fingerprints in your life and, and, and your family of origin or, or where you're unable to, to see some of those things. You're looking here at the good stuff in your life and the difficult stuff in your life and the painful stuff because all of this is part of who you are. All of this has been a part of how God has met you in your story. So for me, 
I grew up uh, as a missionary kid, grew up uh, in different countries. Our family moved a lot, had lots of experiences of being kind of the, 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 the odd person out, the person who didn't quite get what was going on, didn't quite get the, 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 the language. And then even when we moved back to the United States, I had missed a decade at least of popular culture in this country. So I didn't have any idea about what people were talking about. The inside jokes all went just totally over my head. So that's part of me. That's part of what formed me. And what that means is that when I'm in a room, I'm actually aware of the person who's on the sidelines of the person who's feeling a little bit lonely, of the person who's feeling a little bit left out. I'm not trying to do that. That's part of my formation. That's part of what I get to bring in aligning my little kingdom with God's kingdom. Think about your relationship with others. And this is the question I would ask. Who do you have credibility with? Right? Who trusts you? Who believes you? Who's interested in what you think, in your opinion? Because those people are different than, than who I have credibility with. Right? You have credibility with people who I would not be, be credible with. And so you can pay attention to, to that circle of relationships. I love how some of the folks in our church are so intentional in your workplaces. How you see your workplace, not just as somewhere to go, uh, uh, put in your nine to five, bring home your paycheck and go home. But you see this as a place to be fully present, to notice what God is doing, to cultivate relationships. You have credibility in your workplace, in those relationships, because of your posture and going to that place and how many hours you've spent there. That's a part of your personal kingdom that you can align with God's kingdom. And then finally, the creation itself. What place have you been called to steward? Uh, is the place where you live getting better because you live there? <laughs> like, 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 are you leaving a positive legacy? Is the ground itself flourishing more because of your presence? I know there are people in our church who just once a week, they just pick up the trash around their, their block. They just kind of make the loop and pick up the trash that they see around their block. I know of others of you who are planting gardens in your apartment or at a community garden uh, near, nearby. Others of you who started composting. We could think of lots of other ideas of, of how this works. But I, I watch some of you actually pay attention to the place that God has called you. And that place is flourishing more because of your presence. This too is part of your personal kingdom that you align with the kingdom of God. Now, on our church uh, website, on the Sunday page where all the announcements are, uh, right next to the sermon title, there's a link for a, a worksheet version, real simple of what we had up on the screen a second ago. And I'd encourage you this week sometime to go download that, maybe print that out, and just spend some time this week going through each of those four areas and starting to ask yourself, uh, what, what is the personal kingdom that God has given you? Get, get specific about it. Start noticing some of these things. Because once we start getting clear about our personal kingdoms, well, now we're able to start aligning those more and more with the, Does that make sense? Does that make sense? More and more with the will of God, very, very specifically. Okay, so we align ourselves with God's kingdom by looking for new creation. And as image bearers of God, the personal kingdoms, which we align with God's kingdom, include our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the creation itself. Okay, so we've, we've discerned our personal kingdoms, and, and, and yet the kingdom of heaven is hidden, right? So, so how do we actually align our personal kingdoms with the kingdom of heaven that is even now breaking into this world? Okay, so I got a little bit more sourdough stuff to show you here. So I took some of this, uh, I took some of this leaven uh, last night 
and I mixed it into mix it into water and flour and some salt, and that's it. And last night it was at about it was like down here, and then I just left it. And over the course of the 12, 15 hours, this dough has now risen. It's probably like three times as big. I'm guessing it's about three times as big as it was last night when I mixed. Uh, the leaven into the dough. Now, again, I couldn't see the yeast. Just kind of trust that it's there. Mixed it into the dough. But what I'm watching for, what I'm looking for is, okay, there's these big bubbles that are popping up under here. And if I look underneath, I can see these bubbles underneath as well and on the side. Um, This thing has grown significantly over the course of these hours. So there's clearly something happening here, right? There's clearly yeast in here. It wouldn't happen otherwise. The only way that this is happening is because there was yeast that was mixed into the dough. Even though I couldn't see it, even though it was invisible, it's doing its thing in the dough. John's cousin, or Jesus' cousin John, again, to go back to him for a second, he seemed to have a a very particular idea of what the kingdom of God was going to look like. He he had had an image in his mind, and it didn't happen. After Jesus started his ministry, John got arrested Uh, Jesus is not storming the gates. He's not driving out the Romans. He's not purifying the temple. He's not bringing the exiles home. None of that stuff is happening. And so John sends his disciples to Jesus to say, look, uh, did we get it wrong? Are you not the king who's bringing the kingdom of God? Should we be looking for somebody else? And in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus replies to those disciples and says, go back and report to John what you have seen. And what you have heard, what you have seen and what you have heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. John is looking for a visible kingdom, right? He's looking for armies. He's looking for walls to come down. He's looking for people to come back. And Jesus says, Jesus says, um, people can hear, people can see. The gospel of God's freedom and liberation is proclaimed to the poor. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 17, Paul will describe the same kind of thing as new creation. He would write, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. In Jesus Christ, the world is being renewed. Do we have the eyes to see it happening? We align ourselves with the kingdom of God by looking for the new creation all around us. I know when it's time to bake this loaf, to to form it into loaves and to put it into a hot oven when I start to see the rise, when I start to see the bubbles, when I start to see stuff happening. That is the life of faith, friends. The life of faith is, is, is living by what we cannot see, but then catching glimpses, evidence of God's kingdom among us as much as maybe we like uh, like john to point to some visible physical kingdom we are called to something different jesus would say in luke chapter 17 to some pharisees who were asking about the kingdom the coming of the kingdom of god is not something that can be observed nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of god is in your midst. It's already here. It's already all around.
around us. And now the Holy Spirit gives us eyes to see the new creation evidence of that kingdom. Yesterday afternoon, Pastor Michelle and I spent about two, two and a half hours here at the ministry center with two people in our church who are discerning God's will. They're hearing God calling them to something risky, something exciting. And we just spent like two hours just kind of talking about that, listening to God together, praying together. They're, they're telling stories of where they're seeing God's momentum in their life, where they're seeing fruit in their life, where opportunities are starting to open up. Just looking around, discerning the new creation that's starting to bubble up around them in their lives. How can we arrange our lives? How can we align our lives with the kingdom of heaven that is breaking into our lives? Where is there a new life? Where is the momentum? Where is there fruit all around us? And you see, once we, we start looking for the signs, right? Once we start looking for the yeast of new creation, well, then we can align our little personal kingdoms with the kingdom of God. Is this making sense? Is this okay? So, so uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, uh, like how, how have I seen this play out in, in my life over the years? And I thought about this moment, I think it was probably four or five years ago. And I remember exactly where I was. We were coming out of, of Kennecott, where if you're new, it's where our church, you know, worships on Sundays when we can be in, in person at Park District Facility. And most people had gone home and I was walking to my car and I had this like thing pop into my head. David, you need to start fundraising. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Uh, we're not a wealthy church, but we, you know, God has provided for our needs. What do I need to do fundraising for? But it was clear. It was clear. I, I've never done fundraising. I've never, that's not been my world. David, you need to start fundraising. Like, okay. And so I, I reached out to some, some friends I know who are good at fundraising and just started kind of learning from them and, and, and asking them questions. And then a little bit later, a little bit later, I was at a meeting at the United Way with my friend, Pastor Chris Harris of a Bright Star Church just down the street, Bright Star Community Outreach. And we were talking about trauma and kind of responding to trauma in our city. And we're walking out of that meeting to the elevators. And Pastor Harris turns to me and he says, David, it's time for new community to get more involved in this work. It's, it, you, you, you've partnered a lot, you've supported a lot, but it's time now for new community to take its place in this collaborative work of addressing trauma that we're doing here on the south side of Chicago. I was like, okay, okay, that's all right. <laughs> let's, let's think about that. Let's start moving in that direction. And then a little bit while after that, uh, Minister Marquita uh, comes to me and she says, hey, I'm, I'm working on this doctoral research around youth uh, who have experienced trauma and, and healing. And, and I'm wondering, like, could our church be involved in that some way? Could we kind of try something out in some way? And, and then, then I think about this, this friendship I have with a woman who is the new principal at Diet High School that had just recently been reopened after being, on the, uh, being closed. And then there was a community hunger strike to reopen this. Do you see, do you kind of see, do you see the yeast? Do you see the yeast? And, and so I reached out to, to Principal McCloy and I say, hey, w- w- would you be interested in, in us trying this pilot program with students who've in, you know, experienced trauma? Yes, absolutely. Come on in. And so for two years, Marquita kind of led that. We're listening, learning from the students, responding. She's building this, this program. Uh, and, and, and then and then it's really clear we, we're supposed to start a nonprofit. God has called us to start this nonprofit new community outreach. And so we start this thing. Marquita leads it really well. And then Marquita comes to me and she says, my time here is done. I'm like, what? No, that's not that right. You heard incorrectly. She's like, no, I'm pretty sure I heard correctly. And she says, and, and not only that, you should hire Sonia Wang as the next 
executive director. I said, well, that's, you know, no, no offense, that's not really your decision to make, you know. That's the, the board is going to – and sure enough, who did we hire about six months later? Sonia Wang. Because why? Because Sonia, a few months before that, she'd heard God say, this your, your assignment as a principal, that time has come to an end. You need to let that go. God, what's coming next? I don't know. But you're going to kind of just be in this place. And then this thing opens up with new community outreach. And now Sonia's leading new community. And I could go on and I could talk about community garden, how the community garden, Esther and Zach, they know we just praying around the school at, the, at, the, at, at Jackie Robinson and meet the principal. And, and the principal invites us to participate. Sorry, I'm not, I could go on and on and on. It's all yeast, right? There was never a singular moment where like, oh, there's the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I can see it. I can picture it. I can walk around it. I can touch it. It's always yeast, right? It's always little things bubbling up, right? Little movements, little nudges, a little bit of fruit here and there. And God is looking for people who say, I want to align myself with that. I want to take whatever little thing I have, and I want to align myself with that. I want to give myself to that and see what God is going to do as a church that's what we're doing right now when it comes to a future church plant a facility that we're looking for in the middle of a pandemic god we see the bubbles and we see the movement we see the fruits so we're just gonna we want to try to align ourselves with you and follow you more deeply into your kingdom so so would you ask yourself this where is their new creation within reach of your personal kingdom where is their new creation in your life? Where are the where's the where's the where are the bubbles? Where are the glimpses? Where are the nudges? Where's the momentum? Where's the fruit? Within reach of your personal. Like it could be a family member. It's somebody literally who sleeps in your home at night. It, 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 it could have to do with your workplace, it could have to do something on your block. Where is their new creation bubbling up around you that you can align? yourself with because you see if we're not careful we could miss the presence of the kingdom of heaven all around us we could miss it we could believe the news feeds and the headlines are sufficient portrayals of reality and they're not they're not we could assume that corruption is winning that oppression is winning that injustice is winning we could believe that selfishness is stronger than kindness that pride is stronger than humility. That lust is stronger than love. If we're not careful, we'll forget that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Often invisible, but never without impact. The kingdoms of this world are noisy and they are loud. They will do everything possible to distract you from the kingdom of heaven in our midst. And let's be honest, our personal kingdoms too, right? Our wills, our intentions, our desires are often directed away from the righteousness and grace of the kingdom of heaven. It can appear as though the rebellious kingdoms of this world, the sinful kingdoms of our own hearts have won the day, have pushed back the reign of salvation and reconciliation won for us by Jesus. So before I, before I sit down, let me remind you of one last thing about yeast. Not only is it invisible to the naked eye, not only does it make its influence impossible to miss throughout the dough, yeast is also everywhere. Like, everywhere. 
a, a, a couple of years ago, we traveled to Washington, and my brother-in-law, who also likes to bake sourdough bread, he, I was getting there a few days before he was, and he said, hey, let's try to, let's try to create a, a starter in Washington. So I did it there, mixed some water, mixed some, 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 some flour, and after like just three days, it was bubbling. Yeast is everywhere. Like, it's on your skin right now. It's on your coffee table next to you right now. It's, I'm breathing it right now. It's everywhere. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. The critical ingredient to that delicious, crusty piece of bread is everywhere around. And yet, you cannot see it. You cannot smell it. You cannot taste it. And you cannot feel it. It is invisible to us. And if you need to see this natural yeast to believe it, you are never going to have the joy of pulling a hot loaf of bread out of the oven. So watch this. The fact that yeast is invisible does not mean it is scarce or non-existent. It's the opposite, in fact. The fact that we cannot see the yeast around us is actually evidence of how widespread and pervasive it is. I really hope you're hearing what I'm saying right now. I really hope that you're starting to get the gist of Jesus' parable right now. Once we turn our attention away from this world's wicked and unjust kingdoms, once we relinquish our wills to God, we begin to see the new creation yeast all around us. We can join the angels in Isaiah 6 and 3 who cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So open your eyes to the sign of new creation all around you. If the whole earth is full of the Lord's glory, then there is peace in the air around you right now. There is justice in the air around you right now. There is hope in the world around you right now. There is salvation and reconciliation and healing and deliverance and forgiveness in the air around you right now. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Signs of new creation are everywhere around us for she and he with eyes of faith to see them. So align yourself today with our Lord's righteous reign. Jesus, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes of faith to see what we have missed. Don't let us miss it any longer. Show us your renewal and your reconciliation so that we can align our lives, our kingdoms, our wills, our influence with your kingdom today. And so we can join you in the beautiful thing you are doing all around us so that we can live the lives that you created us for. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.